Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin AC, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. I am in New York looking out on LaGuardia right now. Jay Posner, my boss, the sports editor back in San Diego. Jay, three against the Mets to end what has so far been a disappointing road trip, though the Padres did escape. Chicago with a with a fine win, actually. Lots to talk about out of that one. What's on your mind, Jay? I'm looking at the forecast, Kevin. That's what I'm always looking at when mm-hmm. I'm on the road. And all I see right now is 50% chance of rain all night long. Yeah. So I get, and I know it rained a lot yesterday, or at least last night back there. So, what can you do to guarantee we get a game today? Are you, are you on top of that so far? I don't even think about it because the rain back here, like it is crazy. Like it wasn't even in the forecast in Chicago at one of the days last week, and then boom, it just unloaded uh, the Midwest. It's crazy, but I, I can tell you this: I certainly hope that I uh, rain delays are are the worst. Yeah, we don't need any of those. And I'm sure you have a backup plan ready to uh, carry, oh. carry our section, as you so often do during uh, during this time of year. We're, we're all counting on you. I'll be I'll, I'll, I'll come through for you, Jay. A lot of pressure you're putting on me. Just uh, Always. Oh, always. my gosh. Tonight, I think we got to start with this, right? Absolutely. Chris, Chris Paddock. Paddock. Chris Paddock. We got Chris Paddock against the Mets. We got Chris Paddock against Pete Alonso. We got Fernando Tatis, Pete Alonso. I mean, like, where do where do we start with that? Well, let's start with Paddock and Alonso. Why don't you refresh our memories? I, I remember being – the one thing I remember is I was out of town that week, and I do remember – I think it was Paddock and DeGrom, right? Uh, it was. In that game, and I, I was on Eastern time, and I actually watched the game – uh, on my iPad up until I think Paddock left, and that was like twelve thirty in the morning or something like that Eastern time. But that's how that's how enthralling that game was. And watching Paddock, that was that was probably Paddock's best game. I mean that, and I guess maybe the Dodger game, just given the lineup that he faced in the rematch. I'm still going to go with the Dodger game, but I will tell you, you are right. I mean, in terms of seven and two thirds innings, here's the stat that stands out to me. Here we are where Chris Paddock is back. Most definitely his last two games, Dodgers Marlins. You could argue since he came back off of uh, his little 10 day sojourn to go throw some bullpens in the Inland Empire, uh, that, that he is back to being Chris Paddock in that game, May 6th against the Mets, where Chris Paddock was fired up to, to face the Mets, to face Jacob DeGrom, but more than anything, thing to go against Pete Alonzo, the uh, Mets, you know, at this point, presumptive rookie of the year, the guy's hitting bombs all over the place. He had been rookie of the month in April and Chris Paddock didn't like that. And that was the first we saw of Chris Paddock who getting himself jacked up over what normal people would be like, well, this is ridiculous. Uh, Why are you jacked up? But that when I say normal, I mean, that's almost a derogatory because what I'm talking about is Chris Paddock and a lot of special people. They get angry. Michael Jordan, you know, to this day, angry. He didn't make varsity as a freshman. Uh, You know, come on. Uh, But here's the stat that stands out to me. Chris Paddock has thrown 16 fastballs, 97 miles an hour or faster. Three of them to Pete Alonso (laughs) and two others that night against the Mets. He has thrown two pitches. 98. And I will give you one guess with your life depending on it, Jay, <laughs> who those two pitches were against. I, I'm going to, I got to go with Pete Alonso. There. So that is what, uh, you know, what Chris Paddock brought to that game. And I imagine he actually really looking forward to pitching here in New York where he riled up the Mets and he riled up Mets fans. Right, right. 
and Mets fans, let's face it, it, it doesn't take much to get them <laughs> to get them riled up. And and you know, look, they've been bad for a while, and they they they're looking for distractions. And and Alonzo's been great for them. I mean, I, I looked up this morning. I even came in early, Kevin, just for this, so that I could look up the stats for Alonzo and Tatis. Um, you know, the biggest thing that Alonzo has going for him is he's he's played in 98 games. He started 92. Tatis has played in 64 and started 62. So that's a difference of 30 starts that that we're looking at. So all these numbers have to be un, under those considerations. But let's face it, at the end of the year, when people are tallying up, you know, the stats for Rookie of the Year, they're just going to look and see what did you do. And if you miss 30 games or 34 games that, that Tatis missed – you know, you're not going to get a bonus because of that. I mean, you, your stats are what they are. But, you know, Tatis is pretty close. He's got better numbers, basically. Mm-hmm. Much higher batting average, 324 to 265. On base, he's got 388 to 360. Slugging percentage, where you would think Alonzo would have a huge advantage, it's only 610 to 595 in favor of Alonzo. So OPS, uh, 984, 970, Tatis has the advantage. Adjusted OPS... Tatis again with the advantage, 158 to 154. War, Alonzo has the edge there, but again, he's pl- and that's where the game's played enters into it. It's a lot easier. It's a lot more difficult to create wins above replacement when you're on the bench. That's that's my analysis of that, Kevin. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> um, Alonzo, this is baseball reference, 3.8. Tatis is 3.3. I think if you look at fan graphs, I think it's a slight difference uh but they're far and away ahead of everybody else in the in the in the major leagues in terms of war among rookies Mike Soroka is next uh I think in the high twos mid to high twos something like that uh uh weighted runs created adjusted if you want to go down that road Tatis a little bit of an advantage there too 154 to 151 so again and the big thing that Alonzo is going to be helped by 33 homers 75 RBIs Tatis is 16 and 39. He bats leadoff, not going to have as many RBIs. I, I would say right now, if people were voting, Alonzo would probably win. I think it would be hard to argue that just based on pure numbers and the fact that he's played in a lot more games. But as we know, the Padres have played, what is it, 99 games so far? So it is. Six, tonight is game 100, 63 games to go. That's a lot, a lot of time for Tatis to catch up, a lot of time for Alonzo to go cool, all that stuff. Anyway, it's going to be really fascinating to watch, especially for people who really care about awards. As you know, I'm not one of them, but I do think in this case it will be interesting. And, of course, if Tatis doesn't win, it will be all because Alonzo plays in New York and he has the Eastern bias going for him. <laughs> we'll state that right now. <laughs> it will not hurt. That's what I think you and I will will state with, uh, you know, Correct. unequivocally. Correct. It, will, it will not hurt. But look, as I agree with everything you just said, here's one thing, and it, it, I don't think you even touched this. Uh, I wonder what you think. If Tatis, if these were season-ending numbers, as in the, uh, you know, the, the average numbers, the on-base percentage, the mm-hmm. OPS, uh, is 34 games that big a deal when we're talking about the runs that, that Tatis creates? I mean, I would not blanch at all at anyone that voted for Tatis if the season ended oh, I would, like this. No, I wouldn't either. I just think that I, I think Alonzo's 33 home runs 
would probably enter into it with a lot of people, mm-hmm. given that the other stats are all so close. Now, again, Tatis plays shortstop. I don't think his numbers are fantastic at shortstop, but they're pretty good. He's made, you know, obviously making those errors recently has has dropped him a little bit in the in the defensive stats. He still contributes way more defensively as a shortstop than Alonzo ever will uh, at first base. So, uh, no, I think it's certainly closer now than it was uh, at the All-Star break. And, you know, look, at the way things are trending, it won't surprise me at all if Tatis ends up, look, being Rookie of the Year and, and just having the numbers just need to be close. Maybe And he, like I said, he has a little bit of an advantage now, but if you're looking strictly at war, Alonzo still has the edge. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, that comes down to games played, I think. He just had more chances, you know, to, to do things. It's a wonderful thing to win the Rookie of the Year. It's it's uh, only slightly more wonderful, though, than making an all-star team your rookie year. Yeah, right. Uh, the Dodgers at one point had like six Rookie of the Years in a row, right? Yeah, something like that. How and, many can you name? Uh, Piazza, Caros, Hollinsworth, Nomo. Uh, was I know Sachs, the other was two, Sachs, I believe. Was Sachs in there, or was that a different? No, this was, that was, this was fr- later. further later. Sachs but and I Fernan- covered them one of these right. years. So Sachs I know and Fernando were in one early on. But I'm talking like in the, in the 90s here. Right. Hollinsworth, Todd Hollinsworth and Billy Ashley, I believe, were like the others. And you say, if unless you followed the Dodgers, who? Right. Um, right. So, anyway, look, Mike the bottom Piazza line is the is, one in the Hall of Fame. Right. And the bottom line is, like, <laughs> I, I texted you yesterday, we were talking about Tatis, and I just said, the bottom line is, we get to watch this guy every single day. And and I think that's what, you know, from, from the fans' standpoint that's what is most important is that every day right now when the Padres play you get to watch Fernando Tatis Jr. and that's way more important than whether somebody wins rookie of the year or finishes second in the voting is that you know that you have Tatis on your team now and for the next however many years that you know that he's here I would think you'll agree with this Jay we can close out the Tatis discussion for this week because there will be more I sometimes get a little deep in the weeds. I get a little geeky about some things. Uh, But when I do it about Tatis, as I did in a story that was uh, in today's paper and is online, it's justified because it shows you more like, wow, this is why this guy's good. Wow, look at what he's doing. Now, I even got a little too geeky in that story. You took out a portion which was too geeky. But my, my point is like... There's so much about this guy. Like he keeps on, he's the gift that keeps on giving. And the way he does it is like, it's about so much more than his rookie year. Like he's just going to keep going and going, you know, barring injury. He's shown that already. He's a special, special player. Right. I mean, the only thing, and you mentioned this in the story, that's a little bit, you would expect this to level off a little bit is the his uh, batting average on balls in play is an absurd 421. <laughs> I, I just don't think that's sustainable. What if it's 400, though? I, mean, I know, I know. And it's, <laughs> you know, I think it's the highest among anybody, certainly anybody that's played as much as, as well, he Brian has. Brian Reynolds is at 422, all right? And then no one with uh, 100 and more than 155 plate appearances, which isn't that much. Right. No one else above 400. Right. For a comparison, <laughs> Pete Alonso's at 278. I did, lo- I checked that today. The league average is usually right around 300 uh, for that. So anyway, we should probably move on. What What do you want to cover that happened at Wrigley Field? Three, I mean, basically one-run games. The Padres broke open the right. Sunday game in the ninth inning. But three very tight games that the Padres played against a very good team on the road, lost two of them Friday and Saturday by the same 
score. Couldn't get a clutch hit. I mean, they scored five runs in both those games, but uh, hitting with runners in scoring position was a problem. Joey Lucchese was a problem. Uh, What else did you see out of... uh, And I want to say Sunday was very impressive. Oh, extremely. Adrian Morahone starting two and a third. Cal Quantrill was fantastic for the second straight Sunday. And, you know, and Kirby Yates, you know, closing it out. Tatis with three RBIs. But what do you take out of the weekend in Chicago? Well, let's start with uh, Quantrill, as you mentioned. And I want to do something on him here uh, before his next either start or when he follows the opener, Um, probably uh, on on Saturday. Uh, Here's a guy who was their first round pick in 2016. His stuff is not fantastic. It struck me. uh, Andy Green must have used the word bulldog like three times after the game. And it's like. That, that is who he is. He's the Bulldog. Cal Quantrill's just kind of a Canadian badass. That's what he is. <laughs> right, right. And and let's let's admit, first of all, that nickname was taken 30 years ago. Yes. And Quantrill has a ways to go to get to Oral Hershiser <gasps> no, but, status. No, oh, but goodness, he could be the Canadian he could be the Canadian Bulldog. Right. Whatever the word for you know, Bulldog isn't Canadian. Um, no, but, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Uh, what I'm saying is like, this guy's really not that impressive, but he's kind of got a little grudge and he kind of knows that like Lauer and Lucchese were here before him and that he started out by allowing, you know, 47 runs in the first inning of his first couple <laughs> right. games. And you know what? He started to, he changed his repertoire a little bit. And I mean, I don't know, just highly impressive that, uh, that he's a, he's a pitcher. And I love, I love his quote in the story. As I pointed out to you and and on Twitter as well, when he said pitching, I'm paraphrasing after this, he said pitching is pitching, but he basically said, it doesn't matter when I go in the game, the job is the same. You know, if if you give up runs, you're going to lose. If you don't give up runs, you're not. And I just thought that was so perfect because you hear so much talk sometimes from from players and especially from it seems like fans maybe more than players about you know this guy doesn't have a he's not in his role and how could you use this guy in a different role and you got to use this guy here cuz he can't pitch here to me it's always been what Cal Contrell said you, you know look I'm going to call on you at any point and you need to be ready and sure it's different for a starter and maybe a little bit for a closer but for the guys like Cal Contrell and a lot of pitchers could learn from this they should be ready when they're called on and, you know, I'm sure Andy Green, tell, you know, he knew at, at the start of that game what, what was going to happen, that he was going to come in at a certain moment. But he didn't know. He might have come in in the second inning. I, I'm, you know, I'm assuming yep. if, if Morahone ran into trouble, he would have had to come in maybe even in the first inning. Who we knows? We didn't but even Cal know. Cal Quantrill was ready when he was called upon, and that's a lesson, I think, for a lot of people to, to learn is when you get called upon, be ready. And Cal Quantrill was ready, and he was impressive. And because of that, he's going to get rolled out there, you know, several more times, I'm sure. He was told on Saturday night that he was that, that he was not starting. All right? So that's a fact. The other thing is he's warming up before the third. Morahone bats. Morahone goes in. Cal Quantrill inherited a runner, too. Right, <laughs> so, right. Like, he, he didn't just say it. He, like, did it. And, I, yeah, that's why I started with him. Uh, sh- shoddy defense. Um, it, I'm going to tell you something. It was brutal, those two games. Like, the, the heat on Friday and Saturday, uh, and I'm mean, look, the Cubs had to play in it too. The Cubs had some, you know, rough plays as well, but the heat and the wind there, it was ugly. I, gosh, like you said, they lost two games, six to five. Uh, we'd be looking at this road trip differently if they would have, uh, you know, not given away the one game in, in Miami there at the end. Uh, they got crushed in the first game. Uh, you know, uh, they're... I don't know, Jay. <laughs> they they didn't play. They haven't played very well on this trip uh, until Sunday. 
Right, right. There and, you, you know, they and they are uh, they are what they are. I mean, they're a team that's that has a, a run differential that's among the worst in the league at at minus forty five. They probably had a little better record for a while than they than they really deserved. You know, they're thirteenth in runs scored. They're tenth in ERA. You look at that and you think, well, they that's they're forty seven and fifty two. That sounds about right. You know, you look at it and say, well, they lost to the Marlins and they've lost to the Pirates and and such, but that kind of thing happens. They swept the Dodgers. They swept the Brewers. I mean, you could go back at the end of the year and look at that stuff until you drive yourself crazy. But I, I think, that, you know, at this point, th- th- you'd like to see them play a little better. But And Sunday they did. So we'll see what happens now. Had a day off, go against a Mets team that is nothing special. Actually worse record than the Padres at, at 45 and 54. Better run differential, though, at minus 29. And they have been good at home. They're 23 and 19 well, at, they, City, at City Field. They do roll out this uh, kid. It's Jason Vargas, right? Jason Vargas, longtime pitcher. Okay. Actually, I think went to Long Beach State, so Southern California so guy. So lefty tonight. And then two of the tougher righties you're going to face in in the next uh, two days. Noah Syndergaard, who I believe is the Padres' you know, top target uh, in terms of so they'll be seeing him up close um or maybe he'll start for them tomorrow i don't know uh no there's they're they're gonna see <laughs> Noah Syndergaard up close and then you're gonna see jacob de grom let's see they lost the game that Syndergaard started is that correct they beat de grom because that was the paddock game yeah that sounds correct so and they beat de grom here or though you know what i think they lost the game to de grom here last year in, in july but they actually hit him around but anyway the the mets by the way Anybody who says that the media is complicit in the Padres uh, not being very good more, more years than not, right? Right, right. Take it's a look at the Mets. It's Take a look at the fault. Mets, all right? I know. Because yeah. they are all over the Mets, this, the, the media, year after year after year. Yes, the Mets have been to the World Series more times. They, you know, have actually won a World Series, but they stink. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and the Mets, and the, I will say this, you know, we talk about the Padres had a tough weekend losing a couple of 6-5 games. The Mets went into San Francisco. Oh they, they had just won four in a row, including two in Minnesota, you know, against a very good Twins team. The first game goes 16 innings, and they lose. They lost three out of the four games in San Francisco, all of them in extra innings, which means they got walked off in all three games, 16, 10, and 12 innings. So they played all these extra innings and got nothing for it, they won. I think they won the Saturday game, like eleven to four or something, uh, like that. They had a bit of a rough weekend, and then a lo- obviously a long flight home on uh, on Sunday night. But they were off. Alonzo Jeff McNeil has been outstanding mm-hmm. this year. The guy who says he he hates analytics, he likes batting average, he hates analytics, which is funny because he has a three ninety eight on base and a five oh six slugging, and he's got three point five WAR. So he should like analytics <laughs> because it makes him look really, really good. <laughs> so you get paid, Jeff. Yeah, right. So uh, their pitching has been not good outside of, you know, even Syndergaard hasn't been great, although he's been better lately. Much better lately. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, DeGrom is not as fantastic as he was last year, but, you know, how many pitchers in history have been that good? He's still got an ERA at three. Uh, you know, his war is almost four, which is really good for a starting pitcher. Their bullpen has been terrible. Edwin Diaz, you know, was their big acquisition. His ERA is almost five. It's amazing. He's only blown four saves, uh, but he must have had a lot of tie games that he entered that he lost because I, I think he's one in six, um, something like that. So, again, two teams that aren't, you know, we're not going to see these teams in October, uh, but that doesn't mean that the games 
won't have many many things to watch in them. Starting with obviously, you know, Paddock and Alonzo and Tatis and you know, Syndergaard. Is he going to be traded? That most people think he won't be, but hey, the Padres can keep trying. They can try for Trevor Bauer. They can. I don't know who else. Who, who else should who else should they try for, Kevin? Well, I really think that Syndergaard is the the, the top target because of what he can do, uh, what he's con- he's controlled for the next uh, two years. Now there have been, from my understanding, conversations like there's conversations. My goodness, there's conversations with like every team basically. Uh, Trevor Bauer is for real and. The, the thing is that they, they line up well with what the Indians are looking for, including outfielders. And by the way, if there is one that is going to go, I don't think it's Hunter Renfro. Uh, when I talk about Hunter Renfro being my favorite uh, story, I mean, it's just amazing. First of all, last year what he did, and then this year he's, you know, he's they love Fran Reyes. And Hunter Renfro has made himself like he's not expendable the Padres are going to keep Hunter Renfro yeah it's funny because a couple months ago when you when yeah. we first started covering this and writing about trades Renfro was the one who looked most likely but he he has definitely been the more impressive player well he's over the guy these last always, couple of months he's all the guy who other teams have talked about more right is really right. the main thing and well there's a reason and he's showing it but I think he's just made himself more and more where the Padres just no this is our this is gonna be our guy and that's defensively to go along with the power and the you know it's not great, but the increased uh, you know getting on base. Trevor Bauer is only controllable for one more year. And look, this is not me talking. I would love to cover Trevor Bauer. Just to be <laughs> clear, there's every team out there going. This guy's kind of weird. So you know, do we really need that? Uh, you know, in our in our clubhouse, in a lot of ways, I would love for them to cover, or I'd love to cover Trevor Bauer. Selfishly, I hope they trade for him. Uh, hey, the I, Indians almost the Indians were a win away from the world winning a World Series with Trevor Bauer. Hour, so I'm not sure that he could be that bad. Nope, absolutely. Uh, as far as poisonous in a uh, in a clubhouse, and let's face it, we heard the same kind of stuff from people about Machado. And at least from my standpoint, it doesn't seem like we've seen any of that. You're closer to it oh, uh, than I am. Not. But it sounds like the, the rest of the, the team loves Machado and what he brings. And I think they're different things, too. Like, I mean, sure. Bauer's just kind of a rebel. Uh, yeah. So I'm not, hey, I also didn't say it precluded them from getting him. I just think there's a lot uh, in favor of them getting Syndergaard. And once again, to be clear, the trade deadline is, is not necessarily even what the Padres are looking at. I think a trade deadline trade would be something. Something where, hey, now's the time. We got to jump on it. This is this this deal. This is the right deal. The Padres anticipate that during this off season, with their forty man roster crunch, with a lot of the players they have, you know, and a guy I'm fascinated by is Ty France. He's not going to be on the Padres. It's just not going to happen. But right. man. There's got to be somebody out there who can use Ty France. Uh, yeah, you would think so. The way he's uh, the way he continues to hit, and the way I bring, uh, I bring him up because the Padres have a lot of players to package. Mm-hmm. To be able to possibly get a Noah Syndergaard to you know uh, someone of that caliber, which they are very interested in doing, and think about right. that with all they have coming, if they were to bring in like a guy who's like a legit like number two starter, something like that. Anyway, that's what we're looking at. Uh, here I go to try to stop the rain, Jay. All right, do your best, Kevin, and then we will uh, have you back here on Friday. The incredibly hot Giants uh, are here for the weekend, their last visit of the year. And uh, we will uh, have more on that coming up on Friday. So thanks everyone for listening. Thank you. Thank you.